Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Uh, I read an email from a gentleman by the name of Brian Malloy, and he happens to be an expert in Medicare and Medicare for all and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, he was interested in coming on the show to talk about such things. Now, this is a, a kind of a, a different type of show than we would normally do. Mostly it's politics and some of the things that are going on. But given the demographics of my audience and my personal interest, I thought this was an interesting thing to talk about. Brian Malloy is an expert in Medicare, and uh, he also has some insights in the idea of Medicare for all, health insurance for everybody. Brian is from Bowling Green, Kentucky. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, how is it that you ended up being an expert in Medicare when you're not even close to getting Medicare as yet? Well, that's an interesting question. I've been in the insurance business for a long, long time. Uh, even in my 20s, I was in the insurance business, and it was a family business. And my mother was my bookkeeper and my secretary, and she worked with me. And we have and had other employees here in our office. And I had a small, at that time, you could buy a smaller group employer health plan for your employees a little bit easier than you can now. And But they were still expensive. And I had my mother on that plan, and she was 64 and a half years old. And started getting bombarded with information about Medicare in the mailbox, on her telephone, on the TV. It happened back then, too, the same stuff that happens now. And I didn't really know that much about Medicare, but I'm an only child, and I knew that I wanted to get her off of my employer-based plan because I was paying for it because she's my mother. Right. And it was expensive. And I knew that, that Medicare would probably be less expensive and maybe even better coverage for her at that time. So basically what I did was jumped in and tried to learn everything I could about it at that time, you know, over 20 years ago. And and I did. I did the best I could. Um, sat her down and explained it to her in a way she would understand it. And, um, and she did. And we got her set up on a good plan with Medicare. And two years later, my dad turned 65, so I was kind of ready for him. But in the meantime, uh, she had told everybody that she knew that was either on Medicare or, or knew people that were going to be on Medicare, that I knew everything there was to do about Medicare. And so I found myself sitting at people's kitchen tables just explaining it. Long story short, I turned that into a business model. Uh, we got rid of all the other lines of insurance that we carried, and we became 
the go-to Medicare folks uh, in the Western Kentucky at that time, but but now over 20 years later, it's basically the state of Kentucky. Um, you know, we've, we've built a very successful agency on that, but, but what I do mainly all day is talk to people and ease their minds about Medicare. And so that's how I got into it. It's been a long time and a lot of experiences and education over the years, but that's how it happened. I'm just curious and forgive me for being uh, uh, blunt about this, but when you were selling insurance, I understand how you make money selling insurance. Cause I have friends that are insurance people. In fact, I had a friend that was a very close friend when he was young. Neither one of us knew what the fuck to do. And his brother was insurance, so he decided to go into insurance. He said, hey, dude, why don't you come with me? Why don't you do insurance, too? You're a salesman type. Go ahead. Why don't you do it? I I don't want to do that shit. It's a lot of work. It's going to take forever before I make any money. You go do your insurance. I'll do something to become rich and famous, and that'll work out. Well, after it's all said and done, I have this podcast, but my friend who went into insurance has his own insurance agency and is worth about $20 million. That son of a bitch. <laughs> so I can respect why you were doing that. But when you, when you went into the Medicare aspect of it, you're dealing with people who are looking to get on Medicare and you're not really selling Medicare because they aren't, well, they're paying for it. And that's one thing I want to talk about. Is this something where the, where Medicare actually uh, subsidizes you to help people out to get them in the system? Is that how that works? No, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of the work that I do uh, to just talk about basic Medicare and how to enroll and, and how to get the, what they have to do with the government, I don't get paid anything for that. Um, well, that's my, not a good business model, Brian, for Christ's sake. Well, it's called client retention. That's what that's called. Go. But, but uh, uh, you know, they're all going to need something above and beyond the basic Medicare coverage. There we go. Um, The supplementary stuff that we know you need. That's right. And I do all that. And and every, we're a little bit different bear than the average guy. Uh, I don't, it doesn't make me a better person than them, but we based our, our old concept on education and, and, most people feel pretty at ease when they get done talking with us that this is not really as hard as it sounds. And that's why they stay with us. Well, having been in sales most of my life, one way or another, uh, I learned lessons early on that paid dividends. And that was, you know, so often you have salespeople that come in and they say, I want to sell you this. This is why you should have this. This is why you should have that. And I've always found that, um, if you make friends with people first, it's much easier to deal with them. And one of the ways you make friends with them is help them out. And that sounds like what you're doing. So when it comes down to getting that supplementary stuff, well, then obviously they're going to go to their friend. Yeah, it's about like, trust, and help. They've got to decide whether they like you or not. Uh, they've got to decide, number two, whether they, they think they can trust you or not. And then after they get through those two first uh hurdles, then they'll have to decide whether or not they think that I can help them. And those are the people that we do business with. We, we don't lose folks. It, it's not about, you know, th- this is not about me making money, obviously. It's about Medicare, but uh, we help ev- we help people every day, all day long that never do business with us, and mainly because they don't have to, but they still have questions that they need answered about their Medicare. Well, I'm 62 years old. My wife and I are paying for health care. 
And, you know, with the, with the tax break or, or the, the break that we got from the COVID relief bill and, and this new one coming up, that's helpful to us. It's affordable for us. Um, but we're riding it out to Medicare. And I think a lot of people think that when you get to Medicare, it's all free, free health care, and uh, it's going to be an easy ride. It's going to be better than what I'm paying now. But what, what really can you expect when you get to that point where you can get Medicare? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think that, that one of the first things you have to do, Mike, is the, the same questions or the same ideas pop into just about everybody's head. It's been my experience over time that a lot of people, and I don't want to go off one way or the other, we're going to answer your question, but a lot of folks confuse Medicare and Medicaid. Yes. And there's a huge difference. Uh, the biggest difference is, is that Medicare, and I put a, put an emphasis on the end of the word because that's the only part of the word that's different. But, but Medicare is a federal health insurance program for everybody. Medicaid is a state health insurance program for low income and low asset. Gotcha. So that, that separates the two. So, uh, you know, if even if somebody's on Medicaid at 64 years old, qualifies for Medicare at 65, they're going to go to Medicare in their state that they're in, regarding you know, wherever they're at. Their state may have a program to help them pay for their Medicare coverage. That usually comes from Medicaid, but they have to qualify for that via income and assets, and not not as many people qualify for that help. So, so when we talk about Medicare. Yes, you're going to pay for it. Uh, the very first payment that's made uh, is for what's called Part B, which is Part B as in boy, Part B of Medicare. So when you enroll in Medicare prior to turning 65 uh, in the in your 65th birth month, you will start paying a monthly premium for Medicare. And right now in 2022, that monthly premium is $170.10 a month. That is the minimum that you're going to pay for health insurance. Now, most people pay more than that, but that is the minimum that you're going to pay for your health insurance, and that just gives you hospital and medical coverage through the Medicare system. That's all it does. And that's for an individual, not a couple. That's And, and how do they determine how much you pay? Is it by how much money you make? It is means-tested. Now, the majority of folks – uh, by the way, that's an individual coverage. Medicare is a, is not a family plan. It's all individual. Right. So if you're paying 170.10, well, you can expect your wife to pay it too. So in the household, it's you know 350 dollars a month or whatever. Right. But but uh, um, I'm sorry. What was your other question again? Well, the question is is how do they determine? You said it could go oh. higher than that. How much uh, is it determined by how much you make an income? Well, it is it is means tested. Now, what I meant was by paying more than that, most people add to that coverage by purchasing something else. But the but the 17010 uh, is known as the base premium for Medicare, and it is means-tested. Uh, um, if you're, I think this year, the, the number is around $190,000 a year adjusted gross income for a married couple filing taxes jointly. If your income is above that two years ago, so they go back two years and look at those tax returns from two years ago. So this year it would be 2020, uh, over $190,000 adjusted gross income, then you will pay more for that premium. And 
the higher up you go in adjusted gross income, the more you pay. Uh, it jumps up at about fifty to seventy dollar increments, and it, it goes up all the way to a little over four hundred dollars a month. Well, that sounds fair. That sounds yeah. fair in the sense that if you're making one hundred ninety thousand as a couple or more, right. the cost of health care isn't a big issue to you at that point. So if right. you're making under one hundred ninety thousand, it's going to be a, a thousand or one hundred seventy to ten for each of us. One seventy ten. $170.10 a month. Um, yeah, it, that's right for the each. Most people might pay the base premium. Most people do. Uh, because by the time that they turn, you know, 65 and are Medicare eligible, they've uh, figured out a way to adjust their income where it needs to be so they don't get hit with all these high costs everywhere. So if you don't make a lot of money prior to being 65 and you're getting Medicaid, right? You get Medicare based on your age, strictly right. your age, 65 years of age. So does that mean as soon as you turn 65, Medicaid falls away and you're automatically transferred to Medicare, or can you have them both at the same time? Oh, that's a, that's a good question, and, and the answer is yes, you can have them both at the same time. And you asked about the, the premium, and I said it was means-tested. I gave you the answer to the question on the high end, but there's also a low end, uh, and that's driven by state um, uh, qualifications. I can tell you what they are here in Kentucky, but it wouldn't matter. It has to be pretty low. So if your monthly income is is low uh, and you're on Medicaid prior to turning 65, and then you turn 65 and qualify for Medicare, your insurance changes to Medicare. It always does. Medicaid will drop off as your insurance coverage. But what Medicaid in your state will do is help pay the cost to Medicare. So the lower your income, the very, and it goes down in increments as well, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, the lower your income, the very first thing that Medicaid will do in your state is pay that one seventy ten for you, right? And then if it goes down a little lower, uh, they Medicaid in your state will pay the the deductibles and coinsurances and things to Medicare. Okay. So you'll have Medicare, but you could get the cost paid for via Medicaid in your state. And in your state, in every state, it's known as the same thing. It's called the Medicare Savings Program. It's in every state. It's just that the qualifications for our our our, uh, our state, you know, the, it, the the Kentucky qualifications would be different than the Minnesota qualifications. Well, okay. The next step here is a lot of people think. I know I thought once I get to Medicare, I'm home free. I'm still going to have to pay a little bit of money, but it's going to be cheaper than what I can buy my own health care. Uh, but now I keep hearing about these supplemental things. We talked about it early in the podcast, saying that you help people get those sorts of things. So Medicare doesn't cover everything. You need these supplemental uh, uh, policies to make sure you're fully covered? Another good question. The, the answer is yes, but when, when you talk about Medicare not covering everything, that's not true. Medicare does cover things. Uh, and you have to understand what Medicare actually is. And if, if any of your listeners have their Medicare card in their pocket, they could probably pull it out and look at it. They probably did not know 
that at the top of the Medicare card, it says Medicare health insurance. Right. And that's exactly what it is. It's Medicare health insurance. It's not some, you know, giveaway program that I worked for all my life. It's none of that stuff. It's a health insurance program that's just run by the federal government. So that's number one. It is health insurance and everything medically necessary does have coverage, but it won't have complete coverage where everything is zero out of your pocket. Right. There's the difference. Well, does your health insurance now have deductibles? Does it have now have co-insurances, things like that? Sure, it does. Mine does, too. Uh, what a supplement does is offers additional coverage to Medicare beneficiaries who use their red, white, and blue card, their Medicare card, uh, another avenue to get those deductibles and co-insurances paid for them. So uh, as an example, my we my family, we get our health insurance through my wife's employer. That's the only reason I keep her working. So That's that right. Me too. Health. Yeah. And so we have a deductible. You know, it's a, each one of us has around a $1,000 deductible. And we have a, after we meet our deductible, we have a co-insurance that we have to pay, meaning that, that the insurance company only pays a certain percentage, 80 or 90%. We pay 10 or 20%. But, but as somebody that qualifies for just regular old insurance like you and I do, Mike, we don't have the opportunity to buy another product that pays our deductibles, that pays our co-insurances for us. Right. Well, when you get to Medicare age, you do. You, okay. you, you could buy. Now that's what a supplement is for. So there's no difference in the supplements. The supplement plans actually are written by the federal government. Most people don't know that. When you buy a supplement from a company, no matter what the name of the company is, it's the same exact supplement from one company to another. And the plan was written by the federal government. Why? Well, because when you're on Medicare, everybody has the same exact deductibles and coinsurances and all that. Those are set by the government. And so that's why the government writes the supplement plans. They just don't sell it. Okay. Now, what what's the range that those supplement plans will cost? I may that may be I may be putting you on the spot here because it probably varies. But what range are we talking about? Are we talking about fifty bucks, a hundred bucks, five hundred bucks? What? Well, that's the key to the confusion of Medicare. And um, I'm going to tell you something, Mike that 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 I, I wholeheartedly believe. Uh, I've had I've had people want to argue with me about it, and, and they don't really win the argument ever. Right. Um, th- there are different types of Medicare. Number one, and, and we're talking about just original, plain old Medicare. That, quite frankly, the biggest percentage of the people in the country are on uh, the, the commercials that you see on TV and and all that. That's Part C of Medicare, which is Medicare Advantage, which is a totally different enrollment type of system. Uh, we carry that here in my office, and, and just about every other agent does. And it's it's a different animal. But what we're talking about here is just basically original Medicare that's run by the federal government. Uh, the the when you have original Medicare and a supplement, when you choose to go that route in Medicare, which there's only two routes to take, you're either going to take that route or Medicare Advantage. If you take original Medicare and a supplement, you've got the best health insurance in this country the best health insurance in this country by far. Now, is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. There's nothing perfect. But you've got the best health insurance in this country. 
So when people choose uh, to do this, the, the ins and outs of this basically boil down to cost because there are in Kentucky and all the states surrounding Kentucky, and I'm sure in Minnesota is the same way. Uh, in Kentucky, we've got 56 different companies that will offer you and sell you the same exact supplement plan, 56. And the only difference in those companies, the name of the company doesn't make a difference. The customer service doesn't make a difference. Uh, uh, the way they treat you and me, the way they pay claims, it doesn't matter. The only difference in those companies is what you pay to have the policy. And it's a huge range. Um, I tell people all the time, if, 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 they're, if you're looking into supplemental, don't fall in love with the company name. Because when you're on original Medicare, the federal government's your health insurance company. Right. So what are you going to pay? Oh, on average, the two most popular plans on average, somewhere between 80 and $110 a month okay. for your supplement. Now, that's on based on age, and that's based on 65 years old. Right. Uh, if you do it right, shouldn't cost you much more than that for a long while. Uh, if you do it wrong, you'll be paying a lot to start out with and a lot for a long time. Well, that brings up, you know, obviously you're an expert in Medicare. You're advising a lot of people, but a lot of us sitting at home will see these people, like you said, Medicare Advantage show up on TV. You got all these people coming in, Joe Namath, whoever the fuck coming in and saying, you know, um, we can help you make sure you get all your benefits. When we see these folks on TV, is that just some kind of scam? Is it legit? Do you we even want to call those people? Well, it, it it has been labeled a little bit as a scam. And interesting enough, the last couple of years, the the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has actually come down on those commercials. If You probably haven't noticed, but they have changed a little bit uh, in, in what they say and what they offer and, and all that. There was a lot of things they weren't saying before. There's still a lot of things that they're not saying now. But to answer your question, what that is, that is a lead company. Um uh, that that gives you the call now to check your zip code. Um, you call the number, you become a lead. You know, like, like when you walk onto a car lot, you're a lead. Right, right. And and now all of a sudden, your information is sellable to agents that want to try to sell you something. That's all that is. But what they're focused on is a Medicare Advantage plan in most states where you know, when they tell you that you can qualify to get the money back in your check and, and give you groceries and pay for everything in the moon and they make them sound like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Most of what that time when they call, they say call and check your zip code, they're looking to see if you actually qualify for both Medicare and Medicaid at the same time. Right. Most of those programs that they are selling and they are making a lot of money on go with Medicare, Medicaid, at the same time, those are called dual eligible plans where you're eligible for two things at the same time. Now, if they check your zip code and they see that you're not eligible for Medicaid and Medicare, now they're just going to try to sell you a Medicare package. That's all they're trying to do. Uh, but it's a lead situation to get you to call. I wouldn't buy insurance from Joe Namath or J.J. Walker or any of those guys. Well, so they're they're essentially a middleman. They're taking advantage of the situation because people don't know. I'll give you an example. If you go online and you want to get your birth certificate, 
figure out how to get your birth certificate. You have to be very careful of where you go. You can either go directly to the county that would have the birth certificate, but things that show up in Google before the county are all these little people that will help you get it for a fee. And if you're not careful, you can get caught up in that whole fucking morass and spend a lot of money and make it more complex than is necessary. So I, I sense these people we see on TV are just middlemen that make it a little more complicated for their benefit. Yeah, they're going to sell your phone call to, you know, an insurance agency that's going to try to sell you something from there. So a lot of people are going to make money on that call if you call in. So they're uh, all, all they are really is a clearinghouse. That's right. That's right. Now, the end, the end result of this, Mike, is, is that there will be an insurance policy at the end. But is it going to be the best insurance policy for you or the best insurance policy for the guy that sold it to you? you know? well, and, and I guess, you know, if it's me, as opposed to taking Joe Namus or J.J. Walker's um, suggestions, I'd rather sit across the table from somebody like you that I can look at and decide whether I trust you and get the information direct. That would make more sense. Those are very high-pressured sales. You know, when people uh, are 64 and a half, real close to it, and a lot of your audience probably can relate to this, the harassment begins. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It really is. It's just unbelievable. By the time they're three or four months prior to turning 65, their mailbox is completely jammed full of stuff. Uh, and the phone calls, it just they just ring off the wall. And if they ever do go online, as we do a lot these days, and you've already mentioned that, uh, they Google, you know, Medicare in Minnesota or something like that. Uh, all of these things are going to come up. And the first thing they're going to ask for is your information as far as your, you know, your name and your email address and your phone number. And if you put that stuff in there, within five minutes, your phone's going to start ringing and it won't stop. Oh, absolutely. I, I know I know this by experience because well, my wife and I were looking for a condo in Georgia, which we ended up getting. So we'd have to go look at these real estate sites. And in order to see the pictures and get the full information, you had to put your email and your phone number in there, which I knew was what was going to happen because any phone call or email I get that I don't know the people, I just block them. So it's just, it's a pain in the ass, but I, I did one yesterday because I was looking for something specific around here. And within two minutes, we're getting calls. And the same thing will happen with the Medicare, obviously. And uh, you have to be very careful if you're online and giving out phone numbers and stuff. And then on top of it, you'll go on Facebook and you get all these ads for J.J. Walker trying to sell you fucking Medicare. Or or if you're on some other social media, this stuff will start cropping up. It's like it's like contracting a a, a uh, some kind of communicable disease because it you're just inundated with the shit. Well, we live in a capitalistic society, right? And well, we do, and I'm capitalistic, but you know there, sure. there there is a limit. There there should be, and and they're trying hard to to keep that limit. You know, look, Medicare, and and you know we don't really have hours and hours to talk about this, but Medicare. Medicare, just plain old Medicare that, that's provided by the federal government that you pay that one seventy ten a month for, the, the base Medicare is a socialistic program. There's no doubt about it. It's been, oh, around, since, been around since June of, of 1965. Uh, you know, the, 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 the people that were paying into the system in 
1965 weren't paying for themselves. They were paying for everybody older than them. It's the same thing we do now. Uh, there's a monthly premium to it, and there always has been a monthly premium to it. It's never been free. The only free part of Medicare is Part A, and that's free. But that's not really free either. We'll, we'll get into the details of that maybe a little bit later. But my point is, is that there is some compromise here. Uh, the red, white, and blue card, Medicare alone, is not very good health insurance coverage. Right. Quite frankly, it's just not. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's going to give you some coverage for about anything you need done, but you're going to have a lot of out-of-pocket cost if you just use that card alone. Right. Now you you can do that, but that's the socialistic part. Medicare supplements and Medicare Advantage plans and and even Part D drug plans to a certain extent are the capitalistic part of Medicare. Right. That's what that is. Somebody's so. making money. That's right. That's one, right. One way or another. And, you know, it, it's important to remember, not only will we be paying these premiums, we paid for them every time we got a paycheck, too. We have supported Medicare. So it's not an entitlement. It's something that we've invested in and have every right to uh, to have access to when we get that age. Let me ask you this. You, you said two things that's kind of contradictory. And I, I want to clarify this because I'm, I'm sure – there's an explanation for this. You you said that the uh, Medicare is some of the best um, health care you're going to get in this country. And then you just said it's Medicare alone isn't perfect or, or is as good as we might think it'd be. When you get Medicare and say you do get a uh, supplement, when you walk in to get a doctor, are there limitations over and above deductibles and, and, and stuff like that. Is there things that we have to be aware of that aren't covered? I'll give you an example. I'm covered by you care. I'm not happy with you care. I had cataract surgery done. I go in to the surgeon and I say, Hey, I got cataracts. I need you to look at it. And they said, okay, we'll set you up for an eye exam and you come in. My deductible was like 70 bucks, which I didn't like either. But I go in and the day before they call, call, I come in, they say, look, your eye, your eye, uh, um, your, your eye exam will be $600. I go, no, I have a deductible of $70. They say, well, no, uh, it'll be $70 if we find a problem. And we have to do surgery on it. But if it's just a standard eye exam, then it's going to be $600 because that's not covered. I said, are you telling me my health insurance doesn't cover a basic fucking eye exam? Come on. What what the fuck is that about? So I said, well, I know I have cataracts. I'm going to go in there. And they said, well, if you do have cataracts and uh, um, <laughs> and then we'll charge you the 70 as opposed to the 600. And I said, well, that's fine. I will come in. I feel pretty confident I have cataracts because I can't even see out of that eye. But I want you to know something. When I come in there, I will have $70. I'll give you that $70, but I will not have $600 on me because I wasn't expecting to have to have $600. So you're either going to have to bill me, chase me down, (laughs) repossess my car or something, but I'm not going to have $600 when I walk in. So I was surprised by what wasn't covered. It seemed like a pretty simple thing. Now, when I walk in with a Medicare card, even if I have the supplemental thing, am I going to run into th- something where I'm not covered? I, you know, I've heard people say, well, ears and eyes are different. They don't really fall under the health care plan. And then you have to get something supplemental for that. 
I mean, as far as I'm concerned, healthcare is fucking healthcare. If it's on my body, it's healthcare. Well, that's what that's what most of us feel. Uh, I'll go back and answer a question. You got a couple of questions there. In that I know. Time. I'm sorry. I talk a lot. The first question, the first question you said, I contradicted myself, and I suppose I did. But here, Medicare alone, just the red, white, and blue car, is just it's it's not very good health insurance because there are a lot of out of pocket costs. Okay. It's when you it's when you add the supplement that makes it wonderful health care. Okay. So so you've got a piece of socialism coupled with a piece of capitalism, and together it makes it wonderful health care. And it does. Uh it it's the supplement is just not as important as far as name or anything else. It's the only the cost. But either way, let's say either way, you, your your insurance was Medicare and you used the red, white, and blue card. Uh, your eye exam is going to be covered, but there will be an out-of-pocket cost, especially if you don't have a supplement. You see, right. that's what the supplement's for. Now, will it be covered? Yes, it'll be covered. Uh, but but the beautiful thing about Medicare, interesting thing, I already had this conversation earlier with uh, with one of my clients, is that because they call here all the time to just kind of verify the things that I've told them in the past. Hey, Brian, guess what happened today? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, the terrorism goes away, Mike. You know, the conversation that you had with the insurance biller uh, or whoever it was at your eye doctor about you need to bring this much money or that much money even to get looked at, that all goes away with Medicare. The bill has to go to Medicare before they can tell you what you're going to pay for anything. And because Medicare has a contract with those folks, just like every other insurance company. But the, the rule is, is that the bill... Everything has to go to Medicare. And if the doctor thinks that you need it, it is medically necessary. Therefore, it will be covered. Now, will you have a participation cost? In other words, as part of your deductible or whatever, you may or you may not. I don't know whether you'll have a supplement or not. But the point is that we'll be covered and they will not harass you for the amount that you're going to owe. They're going to bill you for it later on. They, you, they will tell you what it is. Okay. Now, as far as eyes and ears and noses and, and, and dental stuff, let's talk about that for a minute. Yes, if it's part of your body, yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of there. Uh, the structure of Medicare has been the same for a long, long time. Um, in 1965, we didn't know a lot about health care in general. I'm not, not, I mean, not medical stuff. I'm talking about health insurance. Health insurance was kind of a new concept uh, in the 60s. It really was. Oh, I know. Yeah. And and so we didn't know a whole lot about it. Uh, there were also a lot of people didn't brush their teeth. <laughs> so, True. you know, uh, but these days uh, when we talk about eyes, if you've got a medical problem with your eyes, uh, but no matter what it is, cataract, macular generation, stigmatism, on and on. When the, when the ophthalmologist, you know, there's a difference between an ophthalmologist and an optometrist. Right, right. Uh, it, and it was an ophthalmologist that, that diagnosed you with cataracts and is going to treat you for that. The, the eye exam where they set you in the chair and they dilate your eyes and they check you for glaucoma and cataracts and all that stuff, that is a medical exam. And that's all covered under Medicare. The only part of your eyes currently that is not covered by Medicare alone, whether you have a supplement or not, on original Medicare, is eyeglasses. Okay. Okay? 
So, so the, the exam, when the optometrist puts that big machine in front of your face and he says it's two better than three or three better than two, that's known as a refraction. And all that's doing is checking the prescription in your eyeglasses or making you a prescription for a pair of eyeglasses, okay. one or the other. And that's not covered. So, so anything to do with eyeglasses. Now, interestingly enough, you just had cataract surgery, and that is the only time that Medicare pays for a pair of eyeglasses is after you've had cataract surgery because most people's prescription changes after they've had cataract surgery. That makes sense. So they do do that. Now, as far as dental, is original Medicare going to pay for a teeth cleaning? No. Are they going to pay for an x-ray? No. Uh, Dental coverage in general is not worth the paper it's written on. Absolutely, I agree. I've got uh, I've got every dental policy available. Uh, you know, I tell my clients all the time. If, you know, I, have you ever heard an insurance guy tell you not to buy insurance? I'm telling you that dental coverage ain't worth a crap. But I've got kids to feed. Don't go. Don't buy it from somebody else. You know, I'll give it to you. But the point is, is that it's just not very good. A lot of people's misconception about dental is that they worked for a company for a long time and they had their insurance through that company or maybe their spouse like I do, uh, dental insurance, very rare occasions is it not, but dental insurance was always something that you had to opt into and pay more for. Right. So it's a separate policy. And a lot of people forget about that because it just comes out of their paycheck and they don't think about it. And, but with Medicare is the same way. You're going to have to opt into it if you want some dental coverage, but it's not very good. The, the piece of advice that I give everybody before you invest in a dental policy, there's one person that you should talk to before you do anything. Yeah. I, I've, I've bought dental policies and still when I go in for a, for a root canal or something like that, it still costs me a shitload of money. I wonder why I'm paying for dental insurance. Is there anything, is there any good dental insurance out there, whether it be through Medicare or, or separately, or they all suck? Well, they're all basic. They're structured the same way. They're all that. But that, that one person that you should talk to before you invest in dental insurance is your dentist. It really is because most today, most dental uh, dentists and dental offices, and if they're a big chain or not, it doesn't matter. Most of them have their own in-house programs that aren't the greatest in the world, but they're better than dental insurance. And so, you know, that's, that's why I tell people to go first. Now, if your dentist thinks that you need to invest in dental insurance, come see me. But nine times out of 10, the dentist is going to stay, stay away from that stuff. I've got something that's better than that. Just do that. It's a problem we have, Mike. It really is. Uh, and I'll tell you why. And, 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 and I use a common sense approach to a lot of this stuff. But when do people buy dental insurance, Mike? When they, when they have dental problems. Exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. And, and insurance companies aren't stupid. They run the world. They're not stupid. I mean, you know, so most of these dental policies that you buy, matter of fact, all of them, uh, you run out, you know, run to the dentist and you need a root canal. The dentist says that's going to be $1,500. And so the first thing you do when you leave is call me and you say, Brian, I need some dental insurance because I got to get a root canal. Right. First thing I'm going to tell you is, is that, well, that root canal is not going to be covered for at least 12 months. 
then you're going to have to pay the premiums for 12 months, but it's not going to be covered. Right, right. And, and if you need a root canal, 12 months is too fucking long. You're not going to, you're not going to wait. Or Just, anything else. Or anything else. Every, every dental policy has what's called a missing tooth clause. Uh, you know, I get people to call me all the time because of their age. They, they need a, a, a plate or uh, they, they want to get some sort of dentures or whatever. There's no dental insurance is going to cover that because you've already got teeth missing where that stuff has to go. Right. So right. They're not going to cover that. Exactly. Well, Brian, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we will be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. All right, we are back with Brian. And and uh, if you listen to the Rational Boomer Podcast, you know it's it's largely political and we talk about the things of today and while what we've talked about in the first half of this isn't necessarily political, Medicare is a very political topic. We know that the Republicans would like to call it an entitlement and would like to ultimately do away with it, as well as Social Security and some of the other things. Um, you're obviously listening to the Rational Boomer podcast, so you are of a reasonable mind as opposed to some of these Trump fucks. So what are your thoughts about uh, when they come out and they say, yeah, we've got to look at Medicare every five years, and we know that means we're going to try to get rid of it. Well, I think it's a weaponization of ideas. Um, I think on those particular comments that come from those neoconservative folks, um, it's to stir up their base. But here's the facts about it, and and – and, you know, it, it, interestingly enough, we're on the Rational Boomer podcast. But, you know, it's your generation that has Medicare. Right, right. And you guys are the largest voting bloc in this country. And I don't care. I, you know, I, and, I, and you read my email earlier. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I come from a huge Trump state, uh, big, big red state. I don't care who they are. You tell them you're going to take away their Medicare and they become pretty militant right away. 
That's what uh, I had to think. You know, they, they come out with this overturning Roe v. Wade, and they know Republicans or conservative folks are going to be up in arms about that. And just when they're trying to get it to settle down, Lindsey comes out with this national plan. And the same with these entitlements, as they call them, Social Security and Medicare. Don't they realize <laughs> that it's going to piss off their own people and they're going to go against them? Well, you know, for years, and Trump wasn't the first one to do it. I mean, for years, any publicity is good publicity. So when you say something at all, just to get on the news, you're on the news. Uh, you know, Trump, Trump was a pro at it, probably better than anybody we've seen. But I think a lot of them are, are coming out of that playbook with it. There, there's no possible way that, that Medicare is going to be taken away or, or, or even privatized at this right. point. Um, it's just not, it's just not going to happen. Uh, we, we should all know this, but, but we, there's a segment of our society that, and maybe it's us too, in some ways, uh, you know, negativity is sexy, Mike, (laughs) it's sexy. And, And that's why when in conversations on the golf course or conversations in the barbershop, I don't really hear too many people talking positive about many things at all. Well, a that's true. People, a lot of people want to talk negative because it's more fun. Well, I tell you, I will tell you this though. When my wife comes in and say, Mike, you're a fucking idiot. I don't feel stirrings at that moment. <laughs> so I don't know if it's always sexy, but I get what you're saying. It's more, it's more interesting to talk about the negative. I agree with that. Well, at any time, anytime the government's brought into it, then it automatically turns negative. Regardless, regards who you are, uh, you know. I said earlier that 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 Medicare with a supplement. Uh, want to keep, you know, make sure I've got that cleared up. But Medicare, original Medicare with a supplement, is the best health insurance we've got in this country. And the main reason it is is because it's been around for such a long time. We've worked out the kinks, uh, you know, along the way. We know how people use it and how they're supposed to be used and all that. And that's the reason why it's not going way is because it's good and once people get on it regardless of what they thought about it before they turn 65 after they're 65 they they understand what it is and they don't want to get rid of it and so the voting block at that point i don't know who they're talking to when they say we need to review this every five years you know what we need to review uh is their pay you know, they've got it automatically where they just automatically get raises and they have to vote to turn it down. I don't think they've ever voted to turn it down. You know, there's there's things that maybe should be reviewed every five years, but Medicare is not one of them and it's not going to happen. Now, now, it's, it's, it's a, it, I don't know if it's dog whistle or whatever. They throw that out there. And of course, the Republicans had to have learned a lesson with this abortion thing. They were all for it. They wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade. They campaigned on it. They raised money on it. Then when it happens, they go, Oh, look at the polls. People don't like this. I mean, they knew this in advance. They were just trying to stir up, like you say, the base. But unfortunately, the base isn't big enough to win elections. So now they're changing their tune. So when 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 Lindsey Graham came out, they go, "What the fuck is that? That was why would you do that?" And we heard Ron Johnson and we've heard Rick Scott talk about re-looking at Medicare and uh, Social Security and stuff. Uh, I, 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 for the life of me, I don't understand where they hope to gain from that. Are they trying to stir up just one small group of people that are so stupid they don't know any better? 
it's just not a it's 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 a non-starter for any politician to suggest, hey, let's take away shit from the average people, whether they be Democrat or Republican. Well, I'm all for giving shit to the average people. The, the you know, I get asked all the time, uh, and I and I sit at these kitchen tables, and and, and you know, people think they're going to stump me. Uh, I can tell which way they lean politically, and they can probably, in a conversation, sort of tell which way I lean. So, you know, it's one of those things where the guy kicks back in his chair. Well, so tell me, what do you think about Medicare for all? Especially in the last election when you had Bernie Sanders, you know, touting it at every debate and every time he got on television. He still does. And the concept is there. Um, I just don't think that they've ever, I've never heard any politician explain it in the way it should be explained. And I think I think it's because they don't want they don't want people to understand it. Oh, of course not. You know, uh, what my point of this is this: Medicare costs money. There, it's a, there's a monthly premium there, but there are only right now, currently, there are four ways to qualify for Medicare. So, turning sixty five is just the most common way. But there are actually four ways that people get Medicare. The, the second most common way is Social Security disability. If, if you go through the court system and the court system deems you disabled, you can't go to work, as long as at some point in your life you've paid into the Social Security Administration for at least 40 quarters or 10 years, any time in your life, then, then you qualify if you become disabled once you become disabled, it's a 24-month wait, but on the 25th month after you become disabled, you qualify for Medicare, and it's the same Medicare that 65-year-olds get, and it doesn't matter how old you are as long as you paid into the Social Security system for at least 40 quarters in your lifetime. Right. So, so those people have Medicare, and there's a lot of them, quite frankly. Uh, the the third most common way to get Medicare, or the third way, there's only four ways total. The third way is end stage renal disease. So if you if you are diagnosed, regardless of your age, regardless of whether you paid into the Social Security Administration, if you are ever diagnosed with end stage renal disease, which is 100% kidney failure, right after your third dialysis treatment then you automatically qualify for Medicare, automatically. Could be 10 years old, doesn't matter. Qualify for Medicare. The fourth way is Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. If you're ever diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, you automatically qualify for Medicare. Now think about this, Mike. The, the dictionary, now Medicare is a health insurance program, okay, and there's only four ways to get it. You got old old folks, right? And they're right. using it. They're using it. People 65 and over go to the doctor. Yeah. They go to the hospital. The second most common way is Social Security disability. And the only reason they're on it is because they have a health problem. Right. The third common is 100% kidney failure. That sounds like a health problem to me. And Lou Gehrig's disease is a health problem. The dictionary definition of the word insurance is to spread the risk over the masses. 
That's what insurance is for. Right. Again, to spread the risk over the masses. But the only people that we have insured on our single-payer system insurance program are all sick folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have any healthy folks on there. Now, just imagine, I've got three kids who have been relatively healthy their entire life. Just imagine if I was paying a premium into Medicare for them to be on Medicare. Or me, I'm 51 years old. Just imagine if everybody paid into Medicare, what would it do to the premiums when you have more, just as many or more healthy people paying premiums than you do sick people? It that's brings, them, it brings yeah, them down. Yeah, that's a very good point. And you're bringing us to, well, you mentioned Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders is the one that came up with the idea of Medicare for all. And that would mean everybody would be covered. It doesn't mean they would get it for free. They would get it for $170 or whatever, which makes it more affordable. And I think people are misunderstand uh, the difference between free and there is some money involved. Of course, it will cost the, the, the government some money in the long run, but then we've got to look at the whole problem with, with the medical industry and the kind of shit they charge. I'm very sensitive about, um, Medicare for all. I think that's something we should do. And, and you're going to explain to us why it's a good thing, but I'll tell you why I'm sensitive to it. When I was 29 years old, I got a new job, but my health care wasn't going to be enacted for 60 days. About the time I got the job, I kind of felt something weird. I don't know why I got this feeling. I wasn't really sick, but I noticed a, a, a small lump, a very, very small lump, a pea-sized lump. And for whatever reason, at that moment, I seemed to be inundated with information about testicular cancer. I even knew somebody who had testicular cancer. So I was convinced I had testicular cancer. Now, this is pre-internet, so it was really kind of weird. I saw it in the papers. I saw it on TV. It's like somebody was trying to tell me, you have testicular cancer. You better do something with it. But I'm 29 years old. I have a two-year-old son. I've been married probably about eight, nine years. And I knew if I went into the doctor, this would be pre-existing conditions. And when I did get insurance, it wouldn't be covered. So I did a lot of investigation, and I realized that uh, testicular cancer is pretty slow moving. So I took a bet. I said, I'm not going to say anything, especially to my wife, because she would make me go in, and then we could be potentially destroyed financially. So I sat with that for 60 days and it worried me. I was a young man. I had some stress. I started, you know, conjuring all kinds of things in my head. Every time I felt weird, I thought, oh, the cancer's got me. And it was very stressful. But but I said, I'm going to ride this out. If I die from cancer, um, my two-year-old son won't ever know who the hell I am. And maybe I was being overdramatic. So the day I got my insurance, I went to my wife and I said, honey, I think I have testicular cancer. And she looked at me like I'm fucking crazy. How do you know that? How would you possibly think that? And I said, I don't know. I just have a feeling that I have testicular cancer and I'm worried about it. I'm going to the doctor. Well, I go to the doctor. I get examined and they think, yeah, could be. 
It could be because I, I don't even know how you figured this out or how you found this out. I said, it's just a, just a feeling within me and all the things, all the messages I got. So I have the surgery. Now that I have insurance, they give me an orchiectomy. They do a biopsy. Sure it is. Testicular cancer. So after that, I have to take radiation for five, six weeks, something like that. I get through it. I'm done. I don't even like telling people I'm a cancer survivor because I really didn't go anything through anything physically dramatic like a lot of people do. I caught it very early uh, and I was cured. And then I went on. I'm 62 now. So obviously I'm fine from that situation. The problem I have is that at 29 years old, I didn't have a lot of money. At 29 years old, I was concerned about destroying my life, my, my family's financial status. So I waited on having to get this diagnosed and taken care of for 60 days. Now, had I not gotten that job, I might have had to wait a year or two years, and it may have killed me at this point. My point is, is there is in this country, nobody, whether they have money or not, should have to make that fucking decision. And that's why I'm sensitive to it. So (laughs) that's a long setup, but. You have some opinions on Medicare for all, and I think you take a different perspective than some of these Trumplefucks that say it's just a free giveaway. Well, yeah, that 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 is the that is my perspective is that we, if you have insurance now, we're already paying monthly premiums, right? Uh, you know, my wife's premium the, the total premium for her policy is over nine hundred dollars a month. Uh, her company kicks in a little for her, but the rest of us pay the full premium. So we're paying total of six or $700 a month out of her paycheck. That doesn't count what the company's paying for. Uh, We're already paying for our health insurance. That is not the best quality that it could be. Oh, A A lot of people think that it's good, but it's, we have something out there that is better. If you are offered something better for less money a month, why would you not take it? Regardless of where it came from, regardless of whether or not the government was involved in it or not, why would you not take it? The other point to my, my, my support for it is, is that, you know, I talk to a lot of doctors too. Uh, there, there are a lot of in my family. My family goes to the doctor. Uh, my wife ironically just had to go to a a cardiologist not too long ago. And and it was the first time that she saw this cardiologist and she asked me to go to the cardiologist with her. So I did. And I kept telling her that was probably a mistake, but but anyway, we went and uh, somehow it came out to, to the cardiologist, what I did for a living while we were in the exam room. And then the conversation got off of my wife and the reason we were there. And all of a sudden it was on what I do for a living. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is, is every doctor I've talked to, they don't know anything about it. And they compare it to Medicaid constantly. Uh, and, and if they don't like it, they're, what, they're, what they're talking about is Medicaid, not Medicare. But, you know, the interesting thing is, is my personal doctor, my family doctor, he believes that we should all just have one card and I can, we can walk into a doctor's office with our card and, and it makes it easier on them and easier on us. Well, that sounds a lot like Medicare. Yeah. We've already got the system in place. We've already worked out the kinks in it. And if everybody paid into it, 
it would make the cost lower and the coverage better. It really wouldn't cost the government much more in the long run if everybody was paying into it. Now, the other point is, is that the, the lobbying organizations, insurance companies are probably the biggest. Right. Them and pharmaceuticals. You know, the K Street is full of insurance companies and pharmaceuticals. And, you know, they're fighting for their business. But, you know, if, if the capitalistic part of Medicare was offered to more than just current Medicare beneficiaries, they, their customer base would triple overnight. Right. You know, so there would be no problem there. I would purchase a supplement for my children, you know, something additional above and beyond the basic coverage. I would, you know, you would too. Absolutely. You know, and so therefore we would be paying 200 or so dollars a month each, maybe a little bit more each, which is about what we're paying now for our current health insurance through our employer. But the terrorism is gone and it is better coverage. That's really the point. But I think they don't get to the, maybe it's in the debates, maybe they get cut off. I don't know. I have yet, I only heard Bernie Sanders say one time that, that uh, and it was in a debate, but he was talked over so much that it got buried, that he did say one time, but folks, we're already paying monthly premiums. Right. You know, I never heard it said again, never heard it said by anybody else, but that is, to me, the key point. You know, what you're getting now is not free. And and it's never going to be free. But if something was offered to you that was better, easier, and less expensive, why not? Let let, let me see if I understand this. You made a good point that I'd never thought of. Uh, First of all, if everybody was on Medicare, everybody would be putting money into Medicare, which would make Medicare stronger and more powerful. I mean, when you work for a big company, you get better rates on health care because they've got more people buying right. that health care. So, exactly. so in that same vein, if everybody in the country is paying into an insurance policy or the an insurance policy. plan, it gets even less. And, and the strength and the financial aspect of that organization being Medicare is going to be stronger. So the question is, if you can get it cheaper, now, I will say this. I'm still waiting. Donald Trump did say when he came into office in 2016, I'm going to get you better insurance, cheaper insurance, and everybody will be covered. Who knew? Maybe he was talking about Medicare for all. <laughs> I, I fucking doubt it. But but the question is, why wouldn't you do that? And I know the answer to that. I know why we aren't getting that as an option. It's because, like you say, the insurance lobbyist or the medical lobbyist or the pharmaceutical lobbyist are spending a lot of money to make sure our members of Congress don't do it. Because as soon as they do that, then it's going to cost them a lot of money. Now, we don't give a shit about this. We should care about the people in this country before big business. They'll have to figure out their business model and try something different, kind of like you did when you decided to go the Medicare route as opposed to normal insurance. But as long as these big companies are making billions of dollars and they are then feeding some of it back into the pockets of our members of Congress and our presidents, for that matter, 
we aren't going to get that change. They're not going to benefit the middle class. They're going to benefit the wealthy. And that's the, been the big problem with Republicans. And I'll be honest with you, some fucking Democrats, too, over these years. This is why sure. we're not getting served. Well, sure. It needs to be broken into gently if, if they ever do bring it up. I think it's the, I think it needs to be an option. You know, you can either go on your wife's employer plan or here, you got this option over here. Take a look at it. It would take a lot of time for people to migrate from one to the other. You can't do it overnight. Right. Right. The, 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 a lot of things that you hear and you guys are in Minnesota. So you're up there on that Canadian border. I'm sure you've got to hear it every now and then. Uh, you know, when, when countries have, which by the way, most of the rest of the world does, when countries have, and you can call it whatever you want, universal health care, Medicare for all, I don't care what you call it. Uh, when everybody gets health insurance, um, regardless whether it's in Canada or Switzerland or France or England, it doesn't matter, uh, they pay for it too. In the, right. in the, in the arguments and in the, in the discussions about this, Somewhere along the lines, it gets lost that it's not free in those countries. No, they're, they're paying taxes. They're, they're paying for it. They're paying premiums for their health care. But what they're paying for, and they know this. I mean, you know, it's funny as Americans, we can say, well, you talk to a Canadian, they, they, they don't like it. I've never talked to a native Canadian that doesn't like it. I haven't and either. If, I've talked to a number you, of them. They all love it. If, and if you try to take it away from them, it would be a revolt. The point is, is that they don't understand that, that there is a monthly premium paid for that health insurance, and it is better than private health care. That's right. why they fight to keep it. There has to be a reason. That is it. You can't take it away from them. There's no possible way you could. We don't have it, so we don't know what we can have. There, there has to be some creation of chaos and confusion. If one side are, comes up with a good idea or a good plan, the other side has to poo-poo it somehow. Absolutely. And, that, and that's what's happened. That's what's happened. And like you said, Democrats or Republicans alike, that's what's happened. We don't look at things with common sense anymore. No, we can't. We cannot get the we cannot get the haze out of the 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 ideas, and quite frankly, there's really no common space to share ideas anymore. No, that's true. But when I'm in somebody's house, and I have talked about this thousands of times, I'm on their turf. Right. You know. You know. They can throw me out. Right. Uh, And I kick back at their kitchen table, and I talk to them just like I'm talking to you of let's get Mitch McConnell out of this idea for a minute or, or quit. Let's get Bernie Sanders out of this. Let's just talk you and I, what would you do if there was a better product in front of you for less money? Would you take it? <laughs> and it I, I would, I can't speak for Trump because they make some amazing decisions. Well, you know, there's a, there was a lot of things got blamed on the affordable care act and, and it wasn't perfect either, no doubt. But the well, real problem—the real—it wasn't per, it wasn't perfect. And I try to explain this to folks when it goes through the political process. It was probably much better 
when it was initially conceived. Well, it but was, the process it was, is, you know, you get the Republicans in there trying to sabotage it so the Democrats don't look good and the Democrats just want to get it passed so you get a shittier version by the time it passes. Well, exactly. And and in a different way of putting it, it was death by a thousand cuts. The the At the beginning, and I, I can only speak for Kentucky, we had about 11 companies at the beginning in Kentucky that would offer coverage through the, the Affordable Health Care Act. Affordable Care Act. Um, and I was an advocate. Uh, I was, I had trained to be an advocate where people could come into my office or call and I would help them. And there was a lot of funding for guys like me. And there was a lot of guys like me that, that wanted to help people. Uh, didn't really necessarily sell them a policy, but what we did was we pointed them in the right direction. We gave them advice. We explained to them what it was, set them down and taught it to them. It, it took time out of our day. And so there was funding there available to us. The very first thing that happened in 2017, and I think you could probably remember who was in the White House at that time, but the very first thing that happened in 2017 is that all of that funding in every state that supported advocates for the Affordable Care Act was gone. Right, right. You know, it's, it, it was death by a thousand cuts. Uh, when, they were, when the Supreme Court up, upheld the ACA, well, they just went at it in a lot of different ways. That's all they did. And so now here in Kentucky, we've got two companies uh, that offer coverage to the Affordable Health Care Act. Now, I will tell you this. We've done a lot of a good job with it. Um, we were kind of in the fore, forerun of this thing. But it's connected to the Medicaid system and all that. But with when it comes to the Affordable Care Act, you remember uh, two, three, four years ago, the, the the last midterm election was a lot about the Affordable Care Act. Remember that? They were right. pre-existing conditions and all that. And the numbers, the poll numbers came out about the Affordable Care Act is that, you know, 86% or 87% of, uh, of the people out here are in favor of uh, the Affordable Care Act. Remember that? I do. Okay. Here's why. The Affordable Care Act is not for me. It's not for maybe you. It's it's not for people of some wealth that maybe they get insurance through their wife's employer. That you know, it was only it wasn't for a majority of the people in this country. The majority of the people in this country have either Medicare or Medicaid or an employer-based plan. It was for the rest of us. Rest of them. And when you look at the numbers of the people that actually had Affordable Care Act coverage and still do, still to this day, almost 90% of those people are completely in favor of their health insurance. Why? Because of because 90% of the people on the Affordable Care Act for the subsidies to the Affordable Care Act. And that's a big deal. Well, you know, I will- I will tell you this. I do. I actually do use the Affordable Care Act. We were under my wife's insurance until she retired. They were. We were under mine. Then I retired. Then we were under hers, and then she retired. So we had to go out and buy it. Right. So, so I checked with Minsure here and looking at all the options, and there's tons of them. And I got insurance. And initially, the cost of the insurance for my wife and I both was about twelve hundred a month. Fortunately, she had some 
some money set aside for health care when she was, you know, in her plan when she retired. So that helped us out a lot. But then the uh, the COVID relief bill came and, and there was a tax break or a, a, some kind of break on health care. So my health care went from 1200 a month to about 600 a month. So that's a significant difference. So I am benefiting from the ACA in spite of the fact it might have some limitations or whatever. But uh, I appreciate that. I mean, it's way more affordable for me than somebody else. I mean, it's it's almost more affordable for me doing this now under this current plan than it was when I was working. Because we started out not paying anything for insurance 30 years ago. And by the time we got done, we were paying five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month from our paychecks for this. So this is a better option for us ultimately. And I'm surprised by that. Well, it is, and it's a good option. And, and, and quite frankly, the big percentage of the folks that are on ACA, including yourself, are happy with it. That's why, that's why they didn't want to change. You know, here in Kentucky and, and there are other states as well, there, there is still one company that offers an individual health care plan, an ind- individual health insurance plan. But, you know, and a lot of people uh, are get confused about the pre-existing conditions clause. Well, the pre-existing conditions, uh, the exclusion of that is only for companies that participate in the Affordable Care Act. Right. If you go to a company outside of the marketplace of the Affordable Care Act, they're going to ask you health questions and you're going to get turned down. Exactly. That's just all to it. So, you know, everybody, they get this idea that, well, nobody can ask you health questions anymore. Well, that's not true. If you don't, if you if you're if you need health insurance and you've already got a health problem, you really need to go through the Affordable Care Act. Well, that 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 I've always compared insurance to McDonald's. I made this analogy, especially with car insurance, maybe health insurance to a certain extent. Um, they come to you and they say, "We want to sell you insurance. We want to protect you. We want to take care of you when you need it." But then when you actually need it and use the service you've been paying for for years or months or whatever, they say, oh, shit, you used it. Now we got to raise the premium. I liken that going into McDonald's, ordering a Big Mac, sitting down at the table, taking a big bike out of the Big Mac, (laughs) and them coming over saying, well, that Big Mac's five bucks, but we didn't know you were going to fucking eat it. Now it's ten bucks. And, and I've always, that's the thing with insurance companies. They act like they're going to protect you, but many of them are just trying to grift you like Donald Trump and the Trump LaFucks do. It, the, the whole business of insurance, I think, needs to be looked at. Now, I'm not saying all insurance companies are like that. And I'm sure you deal with decent insurance companies, but people are they're, being they're scammed like every that. day. They're, they're all like all, that? They're all like that. I mean, your, your supplement companies are not because they're controlled by Medicare. But in general, look, I, I had a mentor tell me, and I'm in the insurance business here, Mike, but I, I had a mentor tell me years ago, and I've never forgot the very first sentence he ever told me. He said, the insurance business is a dirty business full of dirty people. And as long as you understand that, you'll be successful in the insurance business. And I've never forgotten that. And yeah. and it is quite frankly there, but the, it's not the only business that's a dirty business full of oh. dirty people. But but it is, and so if you can get through it, there's a lot of integrity in this business too for people that do the kind of things that I do. 
not pat myself on the back. I don't want your car insurance. I'm not trying to sell you everything else. I'm just trying to help you through your Medicare life. And so, you know, therefore my client base uh, is not just uh, right around where I live here in Bowling Green. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's the entire state of Kentucky. I've got clients all over the country, quite frankly, because they've moved or whatever. I mean, I've, you know, I've got them in Florida and Texas and Arizona and Colorado, everywhere. And so, so my territory is huge only because my numbers are small. Right. But, but it's, but it's built on integrity. And there's a lot of that that does go on in every business. You just have to seek it out to find it. It is. I worked in the radio business. I worked in the music business over my lifetime. And I worked in this brokering business where I sold large quantities of products. Every one of those businesses dirty to an extent. The last one that I was in was especially dirty, the kinds of people I dealt with. And my wife would always come to me and say, why do you deal with these people? They're so scurrilous. They're so dirty. And I said, as long as I understand who they are, I know how to protect myself. And if I can turn that into an income, knowing that they're bad people, I can stand out by being somebody of integrity. It's going right. to be good for my business. I'm I'm going to be the best of the absolute fucking worst. And and it did work for me that way. And I, I think, you know, when you walk into the business of Medicare, you've got to decide who is going to be good for you and who's going to scam the shit out of you. Is it going to be uh, Brian Malloy or is it going to be J.J. Walker? It should be a fucking easy choice. Yeah, you know, that, and, and I will tell you this is, a couple of things before we close out. I, I want to go over one thing with you here in a minute, but you know, the Medicare Advantage plans, we, we have them, we offer them. Um, I've got quite a few people on them. Uh, they're not terrible. Um, they're just not as good as what you could get, but they are less expensive per month. And, and that's pretty attractive to a lot of folks, but the, the pay, for an insurance agent when he sells a Medicare Advantage plan is almost triple the pay on anything else. And so that's why there's a lot of folks pushing that on TV and all that. The pay is very, very good with those things. So be careful. You know, yeah. It's one of those things. Now, the other thing is, is we just had a, a bill passed and signed, of, you know, the, the, the inflation relief bill. Remember that? Yep. And uh, it had uh, uh, some some uh, things in it about Medicare uh, and about drug costs. Remember that? Right. Okay. I don't know if you read anything about it or whatever. Uh, you're 62, you said? Yes. Okay. So, you know, there's good and bad here. And, and the interesting thing is, is that these are the things they don't tell you. Uh, because they want your support. But most of the laws or bills that get passed, regardless of the subject, uh, depending on the, the depending on the emergency, I mean, obviously COVID relief was an emergency, but most of the things that are designed and developed and passed by the government in the law are things that happen over time. In other words, that you don't feel the result of it until down the road after you've already forgot it was passed, Right. So with that bill and the Medicare parts that were in it, uh, the, the drug called the drug negotiation, you know, the, the cost of the drugs negotiating, that doesn't start until 2025. Okay. So it's going it's to benefit you when you turn 65. The current um, 
the current enrollees won't really see a benefit of that until 2025. But what they're going to do to start off with is take the 15 top, the, the, the 15 most expensive medications that are most commonly taken. And those are the ones they're going to negotiate the cost on. Right. So it's not every drug. It's just the top 15. Now there's a lot of folks on things like Xarelto and, and uh, you know, I mean, on and on heart stuff, Eliquis heart stuff that are, that's very, very expensive and very common. Those are going to be the types of drugs that are going to be negotiated down. Heart D and Medicare was always designed for generic medications. It's hard to negotiate the cost of something that's dirt cheap already. Right. So, and, and people need to get that kind of in their head because this is not about those drugs. It's just about the very expensive ones that people take. Now, each year after that, they're going to add four or five others. And I think they're going to cap it out at somewhere around 30 or something like that. But, but the point is, it's not all of them and it doesn't start till 2025. But there are some good things in there along with that. Um, the, the catastrophic coverage after they get through the donut hole is gone. There's a lot of other things. So, you know, don't think it's going to hit your pocketbook this year because it won't if you're on Medicare, but it will come. And, and that's a good thing. So I just wish they were a little more clear about that on, on when exactly you could see the results of that. Well, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act is basically an offshoot of Build Back Better, and they couldn't get that done. Right, exactly. Uh, my opinion on that is that they just try to get done what they could get done, and assuming they win the midterms, then they'll readdress some of the bigger issues that they wanted to get done in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully but that is a good thing, and that's the biggest Medicare change we've had since 2003. That's pretty so, amazing. Yeah, so that's been a long time. It's been a long time. Now, Brian, I don't, I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot here or not, how you feel about this, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who've listened to this podcast that probably still have more questions, questions I can't answer. And we could certainly have you back on any number of times. Like I've said so often, it's my fucking show. We'll do what the fuck I want to do. <laughs> but is there some way that people can reach out to you sure, and ask your sure. questions? How, how might they do that? Well, they can, they can email me. Uh, I'm at uh, Medicare Advisor. That's M-E-D-I-C-A-R-E-A-D-V-I-S-O-R, Medicare Advisor, at Outlook.com. Okay. Uh, I don't mind that they give me a call, but, but uh, if they email me first, I'll send them my phone number. That sounds good. Now, given that you're in Kentucky, can somebody from New York or Ohio call you and I'm assuming the, the same information they can get from you is valuable to them. Absolutely. Medicare is a federal health insurance plan, and it's the same in every state, and regardless of where you live. Uh, and I can help you no matter where you live. So, um, you know, give us a call, and I'll be happy to talk to you, give you advice, whatever I need to do. To, we don't like people being, especially retired folks, it's kind of our motto. We don't want you worrying about your health care. There are a lot of other things you need to worry about. Don't worry about your health care. Yeah, absolutely. We That's why we give free advice all day long. Now, I made a suggestion to you in the previous podcast. Now, I'll make it to you as I'm talking to you because I think it might be valuable for you uh, and, and be an outlet for you. Uh, two years ago, a little less than two years ago, when I started doing TikTok, it was kind of an experiment. You know, I'm just going to say what I say and see how it goes, and it went pretty well. I see a lot of people offering information about a number of things on TikTok. And, uh, 
you could probably build a pretty good base on TikTok if you went and did a one minute or three minute thing once a day, once every other day or whatever, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are concerned about what's going on. And uh, you could probably help a lot of folks. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just saying you could do it and probably be pretty successful at it. Well, I appreciate the advice. I, you know, I've got a 20 year old that works for me here in the office as well, along with all the other folks, but she's constantly telling me we need to do something. I, I, I'm not much of a social media guy, although I do follow you and a few others. The only reason I, I got on TikTok to begin with is because I have a 19 a year old daughter who loves to, to write music. Oh, okay. She, and she would write a song and, and, and post it to TikTok and basically, uh, demanded that the whole family get on TikTok to see this stuff, you know? Right. So, so that was it. And it's been a, it's, I don't quite understand it. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I do appreciate that. And I've, I've been thinking about giving it a try. I'm certainly not shy. No, um, you're not shy. You have good information. Look, two years ago when I started, I didn't know shit about TikTok. I watched TikToks for about two months and then I said, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And so two years ago, here's this middle-aged 60-year-old guy with kind of an attitude, (laughs) went on TikTok and started talking politics, which is what a lot of people were talking about on on TikTok. But two years later, I'm at like uh, almost 180,000 people watching me. And I feel grateful for that, that people do want to watch. And what it turned out to be is that there's a lot of people as weird as I might be being a boomer who's more liberal, there's a lot of those folks out there that were looking for a source or somebody to speak for them or whatever it is. And I was amazed by how fast I accumulated an audience. And now we've got older people on TikTok. So this Medicare issue is going to be a big issue. So I, I would recommend it. I'm not going to tell you you got to do it, but if I were you, I would do it. Okay. Well, I'll certainly give it a try. And as much oh, well. as you're going to help everybody else out with Medicare, uh, if you have any questions about TikTok and how to do it, let me know. I'll, I'll be happy to help you. I've been trying to get Ed on TikTok, and he's going, yep, I'm going to do it, but he still hasn't done it. I said, Ed, I'll give you some help. I'll give you some advice. I'll even take your TikTok and promote it with my TikTok and get you out to a bunch of people real quick, and I'll do the same for you. So consider Maybe I, maybe I can get Ed on TikTok with me. Yeah. Asking me questions about Medicare as I answer them. How's that? Well, that's not a bad idea. That he probably, <laughs> you know what? I said, we could, you and I could do something on TikTok together. He says, yeah, I don't want to do that. I go, why? <laughs> he says, cause I live in a red state. And if I talk the, and everybody can see my face, I might have problems going down to the drugstore, but he oh, might very on, well be on, interested Ed. in talking about Medicare because that's less volatile. Come on, Ed. It's not that bad. Yeah, don't be a wuss for crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, Brian, thank you for joining me on the show. This has been a departure, but I've been making some departures here and there on the Rational Boomer, and I'm sure a lot of folks will have gotten a lot out of it, and uh, and it, it's been very formative. So, uh, Brian, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And all you folks, I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.